Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of React Roundup. This week on our panel, we have Paige Niedringhaus. You want to just say hello? Hey, everybody. How's it going? Now, we had you on, what was it, last week or the week before? But yeah, do you want to just remind people who you are since you're going to be showing up every week? Yeah, I'm really happy to be the newest co-host for React Roundup. I am a senior software engineer currently working in Atlanta, Georgia for the Home Depot. And I've been on JavaScript Jabber, my JavaScript story, and most recently React Roundup as a guest. So I'm really excited to be here more frequently in the future. Yeah, we're happy to have you. We also have TJ Van Toll. TJ, this is your first week as a regular as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So I'm TJ. I work as a developer advocate on the Kinder React team. Been on a few of these podcasts before, so excited to be here more regularly as well. Awesome. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Quick reminder, we have meetups and conferences going on because of the COVID thing. So go check them out, devchat.tv slash conferences and devchat.tv slash meetups. We have a special guest this week, and that's Vladimir Novik. Vladimir, do you want to remind people who you are? I think we've had you on a couple of these shows too. Sure. Uh, first of all, hi to everyone. I'm a consultant. i was software architect for, I stopped counting years, actually, like <laughs> several decades. And uh, I'm doing stuff in uh, like web, mobile, VR, AR, IT, recent AI as well field. So pretty much everything. Yeah, I've been at a couple of other podcasts, such as like React Native Radio, and I've been at few podcasts. Mostly, I do like React, React Native, you as as far as the front end concerned. Then, obviously, the whole architecture stack for for the other technologies I use. So, early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer. If you're looking for a job or trying to figure out where you should go next, then check out my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. The book walks you through figuring out what you want, vetting companies that meet your criteria, meeting that company's employees, and getting them to recommend you for a job. Don't settle for whoever has listed their job on the job board. Go out and proactively find the job you'll love. Buy the book at devchat.tv slash job book. That's devchat.tv slash job book. I think we met at Chain React last year, yeah. if I remember right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not right. the one that got you scheduled, but yeah, we've met too. So <laughs> yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit. So the topic that I have listed for you is remote work, remote workshops, React and GraphQL, which is kind of a lot. Yeah, <laughs> we'll try we'll try to squeeze in everything. But I I, I think we'll better start with remote work because it's um, it's kind of really tough topic right now for for lots of people because of the situation like moving into like real. Uh, remote work domain, right? And uh, there are a bunch of like tips and, and tricks that I want to share. And obviously, like uh, you you can share as well because like I, I'm working remotely for like several years. Uh, I know mm-hmm. you work remotely for uh, a lot of time as well. So probably each one of us has some tips that we can share with our listeners, right? Yep, absolutely. I'm curious, uh, you know, with the panel, I think we brought this up before the the show, but how long has everyone been working from home? Um, I, sorry, Uh, I've been working from home for four weeks now. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, We got a veteran here, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Up till this point, um, my team, at least for software development has been almost completely based in office. Um, so this is a a new endeavor for us. Um, so it's, it's been a little bit of an adjustment, but so far I'm really enjoying it. Not having a commute is probably the best part. 
Yeah, and for me, I've been working remote for about seven years, but uh, most of the company at Progress, we are not a remote company, so only my team is. So it's been interesting seeing the entire company try to get up to speed on remote and how that's affected things as well. Yeah, and I, well, I got laid off in 2010, so it's been almost 10 years since I've, I've been working from home because I went freelance and worked from home for a while. And now I'm doing the podcast network thing and also working from home. So yeah. And my That's whole team's awesome. remote. So yeah, that, that that didn't change anything at all. Well, I, I've been working remote, like, as, as you mentioned, like the free, the freelance part is, uh, was probably the starting point when I started to work remotely. It was uh, like, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, more, more than that, like 15 years ago. And, um, I transitioned like fully to be fully remote uh, three or four years ago or something like that. The thing is, I'm not only working remotely, I am working remotely in mostly in EST time zone, uh, even, even though I'm, I'm based in Israel. So like lots of my friends are like, oh, you're working in the evenings. But I mean, that works for me. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's been a while um, working remotely. And I think the situation right now when, when people switching to work remotely, I was kind of prepared more prepared than than lots of my friends, right? So that that's the why that's why I want to share a bunch of tips like how you can you know organize yourself and how you can do like probably like time management and uh, train your uh, loved ones if you can use the word train. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet that's a little bit different than working, you know, because I've always worked with companies that either didn't care when I worked or you know, we're based in the US. And so as long as I was on during a reasonable hour, um, which was a reasonable hour for me, that was different, you know, but you being in Israel working in Eastern time, that's got to be a, that's got to be kind of interesting, especially given that you have kids and they're probably on a schedule that's, you know, based in your time zone. So, so how does that work out exactly? Actually, it works like pretty well. And uh, when I'm saying like mostly working EST time zone, it's not like necessarily like the full day through the, the EST or PST time zone. Mostly like in the mornings, I take my kids to the preschool, go to a gym, uh, to like chores if I, if I need to do them or uh, work on my uh, like side projects. And then uh, I take my kids uh, from preschool. I like play with them. I go to like different. Uh, they have like English tutor and uh, like art tutor and like basketball class and, and so on. So I'm going there with them. And in the evening, I'm I'm working. So uh, for the kids, it's it's amazing, right? So they see me in the morning. I take them to school. Then I take them from school. I play with them, and um, I'm still like working the full day, right? I'm not getting like asleep late, really late because uh, it's like about midnight, about 1am, something like that, which is not that late for me. And uh, yeah, so sometimes when I need to, you know, make some adjustments, usually my clients are okay with uh, some some sort of a synchrony. So then I kind of split my times and then I work a little bit in the morning when my kids is preschool and then I work in the evening. So, you know, to to like fill in all the all the hours. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Paige, I'm curious what what kinds of uh, roadblocks have you guys run into at it's home, you work at Home Depot, right? I do. So um, yeah, so what are you running into there? What can we help yeah. you figure out? Well, the biggest roadblock that we actually had to test drive before we ended up having to work remotely was if our VPN system could handle all the traffic that it was about to get thrown at it, because we have 
about 70, I would say 7,500 engineers probably just in IT for Home Depot or more. Um, So about two days before we were required to start working from home, we gave it a test drive. It worked beautifully, actually. They did a really good job of scaling it up before everybody hit the system. Probably the biggest issue that people have had, and I've been okay for the most part, but we use Cisco WebEx for meetings. We use Microsoft Teams for meetings. We use Slack for meetings. So there's just a lot of different clients that people could call you on or reach you on. So it's remembering to have all of those open and available (laughs) (laughs) and probably screen sharing because we do a lot of pair programming for Home Depot and it works with teams especially. But if you don't have a monitor that's a fairly good size, trying to zoom in and see what somebody else's, you know, IDE looks like or something or where they're typing uh, or having a little bit of a lag is kind of an issue. So pairing is not as easy as it is when you're sitting next to the person and sharing, you know, two monitors and two keyboards and mice. Yeah. Like really one thing I found that's important for home working is just having a really good home setup that works for you. And like, so mine personally has evolved over the years, whereas I used to just sit basically at my kitchen table to, to do my work over the years, I bought like a dedicated desk. I have a desk that can move between standing and sitting positions so I can mix things up during the day. Uh, external monitors, I've got an external mic. But the thing is, those are things I've acquired over years and years of doing this. Like day one, I didn't have this set up. And I think it really does make a big difference in terms of productivity and such. And it's, it's interesting, you said it just about like VPM and some of this logistics, just talking to some of my friends in the area, some of these companies didn't have laptops for all their employees. So they're scrambling to just straight up acquire like hardware, right? Like, do you have enough uh, laptops or like headsets? Because uh, in the current situation, acquiring some of these things is hard. You can't just run to a local uh, electronics store and pick these things up because those are closed and Amazon is backlogged. So I've heard a lot of people with those sorts of struggles as well. That's definitely true. Um, We've been lucky in that everybody is issued a laptop. For most of the developers, it's Macs. For most of our business associates, it's uh, PCs. So the laptop hasn't been as much of an issue, for at least for my team. What has been the issue, though, is extra monitors, because we're used to usually at least two monitors, keyboards, mice, I'm lucky because my husband already works from home. So he had extra monitors and keyboards and mice. So I've been using those, but I know people have been going back to the office to take these things to while we have to work from home. I've even heard of people like taking out the chairs, which is not the worst <laughs> idea because those are some much nicer chairs than my dining room table chair. I can tell you right now, I would love, I would love to have some kind of a standing desk situation though, because same as you, sitting all day and it's just not doing wonders for my back. <laughs> you bring up uh, something I haven't thought about actually, because like when I usually address the remote work tips and so on, I haven't thought about the fact people need to have external monitors, right? Because uh, the last three years, I'm uh, constantly on the go because I, I speak at a lot of conferences, at least until recently, right? Uh, at, at least once, once a month, uh, twice a month. So I'm kind of used to work remotely also like just from my laptop, right? Like even like from the plane, right? But yeah, if you used to some specific setup in the office, and right now you're switching to like home setup, 
your productivity falls down, right? But on the other hand, you have the like all the time that you spend on the commuting, right? Right now, this is the time that you actually spend working. And this may, uh, this brings me to another uh, problem that I, uh, I see that arises uh, with uh, lots of people. The fact that they overwork because you used to go to an office, you used to like take some time to, to get there, you like in the office for eight, nine hours, right? And you come home. Now, suddenly the commute part is out of the equation, right? So you just feel that you, you can work more. So you work like 10, 11, 12 hours. Now, because uh, like if you don't time all like all your work and you just used to, you know, start with something and finish the task whenever it's done, you can easily find yourself in the middle of the night working like 40, 15 hours on, on, on something, right? That's because when you switch to remote work, you basically lose the this difference between what is work and what is personal, right? Mm-hmm. And this is from from lots of perspectives, right? Uh, you, you lose it uh, like as like time reference, like place reference, right? But your loved ones also lose it, right? You're at home, you can like do stuff, right? You can go <laughs> like bring groceries, right? So it's uh, that, that's what I meant when I said like we also need to train our uh, like loved ones, right? Tra- train is not a, a good word. Like what would I say? Like be accustomed to our new environment, right? So, for instance, my kids, they know that certain times in the evening, they need to knock on the door to enter, right? Because they know that I'm working. Or if they hear myself like on the, on the call, they, they won't walk in the, into the room. Right now, it's quite different. Like right now, I'm literally barricading myself because of the, like, my kids are just bored at home. And uh, <laughs> I'm actually, like, I have the heavy punching bag in front of my, my, uh, my door barricading myself. Uh, not because I don't want to be with my kids, but because uh, it's it's harder right now with the kids staying at home to give these kind of boundaries, right? But this is something that they like with time. They they get accustomed to the fact that they even need to knock whenever, like during the day, and, and so on. I, I hope the the whole situation won't be too long to for them to get accustomed to the situation. They just staying at home and not going to preschool. But yeah, let's hope. <laughs> That's funny. Your your number one tip is kind of my first tip as well. Because I know when I first started working remotely, I actually developed some eye problems from scaring, staring at a screen for too long. Because when you're not in an office, you lose those. There's, there's certain built-in breaks that you take, whether you realize it or not. It's like going to talk to other people about some problem you're having or going out to lunch or people leaving at the end of the day being a cue. They're like, oh, hey, the day's probably over. I should... I should take off or some appointment, you have to go get your kids, something, something like that. And without those natural signals, your first tendency is just to, to keep working. And also when you work remote, you'll almost have this built-in thing that you, you feel the need to show that you're working, to prove that you're working because your boss, your coworkers aren't there right there next to you. They can't see that you're sitting, staring. So you feel the need to show like, uh, I'm doing things. Look at all these things I'm doing. I'm, I'm answering all these emails right away. And you could really, it's in your best interest to sort of fight against that temptation, to take some breaks, do something like go for a walk. Um, you're at home, so you can leverage some of just being at home. You could take a break to do some laundry, uh, to do some tasks around the house. And at least for me personally, I found that doing that actually makes me 
more productive because like anything else, if I try to just do something straight for you know seven, eight hours, I, over time, I'm going to be less productive and just walking away from things for a bit can help give me new ideas, just approach things differently and not get completely burnt out throughout the day. Yeah, and it, it actually, if you think about like um, how much time you spend uh, commuting, just chatting with coworkers, right? Like uh, drinking coffee, going for lunch during the day in the office. And if you sum these hours, let's say you're effectively working for six hours out of the working day in the office, right? Plus, uh, like for every person commute is different, but let's say when, when I worked at the office, it was like two and a half hours commute every day, like back and forth. It was... Uh, Office was not that close, and uh, so like I spent basically uh, like two and a half, three hours to get to the office, and I stayed there for like eight hours, nine hours, right? So it's like what, like twelve hours, right? Eleven, twelve hours, like from door to door, right? When effective working hours are like six or seven, right? Now, when you do the time management properly, right? When you time your tasks, you, as you mentioned, you have these like time slots or like you, you split your time to also do like home stuff, right? And not to be that exhausted of the continuous working period, right? Then you can work effectively, like not the six hours, but eight, nine hours, right? And you will feel way better because you will have lots of spare time suddenly. And it will be better for the company because you will be more productive, right? And I think that's the reason why lots more and more companies, not even like leave aside the situation we have this year, but in recent years, more and more companies are switching to remote because they understand the employees want to be like a home comfort of the, the home. They want to be, you know, happy doing like being with their family and they can be way more productive. And also, like um, employers don't need to like spend all these uh, tons of money on on renting an office or buying an office and having all these like set up in the office and so on. And it's easier and even better to just uh, you know buy a computer for your developer instead of like buying cookies in the fridge for like half a year. Right? <laughs> Will be pretty much the same expense. Well, I'm probably exaggerating, but like that's the point, right? Uh, when employers are happy working comfort on the home, then the company is productive. The problem that arises in working remotely is um, social distancing, right? Because when you're in the office, you speak with people, you see them. And I think, like you mentioned, that you have this urge to kind of show your boss you're working. And I'm not saying it's a bad urge. Uh, I'm saying... Like the other way around, like if you work remotely, uh, to say what you're working on, so people will know what you're working on, because it's really to, it's really easy to lose the track of who is doing what, right? But it's really important to see people as well. That's why when, uh, like, I, I did last year a couple of workshops, so actually teaching companies how to migrate to remote work, and one of this wor- uh, workshop we discussed the fact that people need to see each other. So they need to have these Zoom meetings face-to-face with like camera and, and uh, like all the setup and everything. And these meetings not supposed to be like work-related. It's just, you know, hanging out with, with people. It, it makes difference. And uh, you don't necessarily have to book a time slot for that. But it's, uh, it's enough to 
have uh, like daily stand-up and stay for 10 minutes more after the stand-up and just talk with people about their bunch of stuff, right? Then you kind of replicate the office uh, environment while being remote. Yeah. If you're a front-end developer looking for remote work, then I recommend G2i, a React and React Native-focused hiring platform that will connect you directly with their clients that need your skill set. What makes G2i a unique hiring experience is that they spend the time marketing you to their clients of your choice. G2i is a team of engineers that technically vets you up front. If you pass their vetting, their clients have agreed to skip their initial interview process, saving you time and energy getting your next gig. They take care of all the hard work for you so you can get focused on development. To join G2i, go to g2i.co and apply. My team actually um, has started doing something similar to that. So we do have a morning meeting where we all get on and talk through daily stand-up and what we've been doing or working on. And then lately, once a week, my manager has been organizing a team-wide meeting where we all just hop onto Microsoft Teams and talk for half an hour about whatever is going on. So people will give updates on like, how busy their Publix was, where they got their groceries, or if they could find toilet paper at Costco or, or Sam's, yeah. <laughs> um, as well as kind of what their families or spouses are doing while they're working and how, how that's going. So I completely agree. Just the little human interactions of, you know, just random conversations we miss out on by working remote. Um, so having trying to set a time where everybody gets together and just talks about that for a little bit seems to be great for boosting morale for us. Yeah, and I'd say it's even more true nowadays with the, everything that's going on because one of the things I used to do to keep myself sane is go out to lunch with just friends in the area and go for walks with my significant other at lunch and like go see people. And I built that into my routine. And that's sort of out, you know, that's not happening at the moment. So my coworkers' digital calls are one of the best things I have to like keep myself sane and keep some human interaction because it really does matter. And uh, it's amazing how just not having that communication can start to mess with your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we yeah, have a yeah. game night that me and a bunch of my neighbors get together and do every, every month. And that's supposed to be tonight. And uh, two of those guys have wives that have autoimmune uh, concerns. And so they're not going anywhere. And so we've, you know, we've found other alternatives for that too. I think we're getting together on Board Game Arena tonight and we're just going to play some games virtually and then set up a Zoom call like this so that we can say nasty things to each other and feel good about it. But, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's really important. I've also done this at the online meetups that I've been putting together is we have the presenter do a presentation. And then afterward, I've just invited random people on, you know, they just say, hey, let me in. And then, um, you know, we just chat. And so we chatted a bit. We had uh, Tim Jung, who does the Call of Duty companion app. It's written in React Native. And he's one of my co-hosts on React Native Radio. But he, he got on and he did a presentation on React Native. And then afterward, yeah, we just had a bunch of people rotate through. And we just talked about, we talked about React Native. We compared it to a bunch of other stuff. We talked about just life under quarantine. And yeah, it was really nice just to have that interaction there for a few minutes with people that I had something in common with, namely an interest in JavaScript. Yeah, like well, I even set up the... Zoom call for my kids talking with their friends. So they like on the like every day or every couple of days, they just get on a Zoom call with their friends and uh, 
I just put it in the living room on the TV, so they they just like play around with the with their friends. Yeah, and speaking of like doing like you know a lecture and then people talking about stuff. So I recently also switched. Like I I did did bunch of workshops uh, last year and the year before that, and this year I was supposed to do quite a lot of them. And um, obviously for for obvious reasons, they have uh, some of them were canceled, but some of them were switched to to remote ones. And um, I would say even uh, like the remote workshops are even better than like at least my feeling. They they even better than um, like offline ones because uh, because of that exact reason. People are hanging out in in the room, right? They like in the comfort of their home. They're not kind of stressed out that they in some like. I don't know, like classroom and uh, the speaker is presenting something, they more feel more um, that they can interact more. So these conversations uh, like during workshops are really amazing. Something um, like I did the workshop at the React and GraphQL Academy two weeks ago, a week, week ago. And now I will be doing two remote workshops at the um, React Summit um, uh, online edition uh, next week. So yeah, so the... Having these, like, it's really good that Zoom has these capabilities, right? Like having multiple uh, people on the call, uh, being uh, able to split calls to like breakout rooms and so on. By the way, have you used uh, breakout rooms before? I have not. No. So it's it's really cool idea and uh, it uh, works pretty well for workshops, but not necessarily only for workshops. So the idea is that you can, in the same call, you can split it into separate rooms and then you can just go through the rooms. That, that's, for instance, how I do my workshops, right? I like present a lecture, then I give an exercise, and I split people into groups of three, four, or five, depends on the amount of people during the workshop. And they like pair code, like sharing, screen sharing in the same room, which makes it way more interactive than the regular workshop, because regular workshops, sometimes uh, people just sit alone and code. But here you kind of enforce the fact they working in groups and uh, well obviously they can still be uh, with themselves with their laptop but uh, I see more and more people just interacting with the uh, other seasons during workshops so yeah what was yeah. the name of it again is it just re- uh, part of regular zoom or is it like a whole separate like installable to get that functionality it's part of the regular Zoom. I think, uh, I'm not sure, but I think it's a um, feature uh, like of a paid account, a Zoom paid account. But uh, this is something you enable from um, like account preferences the same way that you can uh, enable the, yeah, Charles just sent, sent the link. Yeah. Yeah, no, this uh, is, I lo- the idea I think is super interesting. And we're we're sort of exploring things like this too, because... I work in DevRel, so a big part of our schedule is events. And as you mentioned, those are yeah. basically all off. And <laughs> so we're sort of in a spot right now where we're debating what we should do in terms of rescheduling these things or just canceling them or moving them digital. So this yeah. is a very interesting idea. Yeah, like speaking of moving digital, so um, um, I'm also like um, co-founding the company. It's called Event Loop. It will be like announced uh uh, pretty soon, but the, the idea is like to move events into digital space with having lots of additional capabilities, not just like Zoom calls, but having um, uh, like specific like interaction platforms, like social uh, add-ons and so on. So this is something we are working right now as well as uh, part of my uh, 
time when uh, when I barricade myself from my kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, these like virtuals, everything is moving to virtual, right? And um, there is um, another for an, um, another option to get even more into digital world, into virtual world. There is a company called Altspace VR and. Um, they enable you to create these like virtual meetings in virtual environment, which is pretty cool. So if you own a VR headset, you can have these like daily standups in VR, which is pretty cool. Uh, I did that like a year ago when I worked on a VR product. Yeah, so then you can actually like see people in different environments and so on. VR is cool by itself, right? So yeah, I'd love to try that. <laughs> Sounds fun. Yeah, I- I need to pick your brain on the uh, remote stuff because I'm putting on a number of remote um, conferences and yeah. Yeah. Whenever you have that ready, I'd like to see what the capabilities are. Yeah, sure. We'll uh, definitely need to discuss that because this is something we're like really heavy focused on uh, right now. And um, we we're having talks with Zoom and uh, a bunch of other uh, like uh, folks. So... Well, like React yeah. Summit, React Europe this year, I think they're both going to be streaming exclusively. And I think like NGCom from the Angular world was just done all digitally. Yep. So I think like demand for this is huge. And I think there are still quite a few technical challenges. Like um, I would not want to be a big conference organizer right now and have to make sure all of my speakers had like a tech setup that could support it. Like who knows what random internet access these people you're bringing in have. Um, so you can control for some of that in a physical environment. But digitally, I mean, you're just sort of, uh, it, it's, there's a little bit of a crapshoot involved with how well people are going to do. And something I've also found too is it's, it's a lot harder to do things like, as just from the presenter's point of view, doing a remote like conference session is hard. Uh, because so much of what you play on is the audience and the audience's reaction. And when you don't have that, it's challenging. Like, especially like if you try to tell a joke and you're telling a joke and you get nothing back, (laughs) like it takes a really talented presenter, someone way more talented than me to just keep a straight face, keep your enthusiasm and keep going and work your way through that. And so I imagine that's true too. If you, if you're trying to organize a whole conference and bringing in a whole bunch of people that are new to that sort of space and that sort of experience, it's, it's rough. It's new times. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, I have some approaches to that, but yeah, it it is still tricky, and it's not the same seeing somebody laughing as it is to have them, you know, type LOL or something into the <laughs> chat. But that's kind of the best you get. So smiley emojis and hands yeah, flapping. yeah. <laughs> well, well, I think the one thing that really helped me uh, doing like remote uh, talks uh, was. Um, I th- I think a year and a half ago, two years ago, when I started streaming on Twitch, like live coding on Twitch, right? And you start streaming and you have zero viewers, right? And you're just streaming, mumbling to yourself and, and coding, <laughs> right? But, and you feel stupid, right? But at some point, you, you, you're you like, okay, fine. I'm, I'm just like thinking that like... I will pretend that I have an audience, right? And whenever you start pretending that, like suddenly you start to gain viewers and already see like one, two, like 10 and so on, people interact in chat. And um, yeah, I agree, it's different. For for instance, when I give a talk at the, uh, at the conference, like an offline conference, I need to focus on, on people to see their reaction. I, I want to 
you know, talk to, to these people, right? And here, well, what I need to do is talk to, to the camera, right? Which is not necessarily, well, it necessarily not at the point, uh, well, like I'm looking at the person and the person is on the screen, but I need to look at the camera, right? So it's, it's quite different, especially when uh, all the, like you need to be aware of what's going on in the chat. And um, recently I also started to stream using a restream service, like streaming to a bunch of platforms. So suddenly you start getting comments in YouTube stream and Twitch stream and uh, Facebook stream and Periscope. <laughs> and you're like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> So yeah, like Restream, for instance, they have this capability. Uh, you can run Restream chat and you get all of these in one place. Yeah, I've used Restream as well. It's a terrific service. You're all real quiet. So I'm going to take that as a no. Yeah. So anything else you want to cover with regards to remote work or remote workshops? I think we're going to have to push the GraphQL discussion to yeah. another week. Yeah, we can totally do the GraphQL in another way. Especially in GraphQL, it can be like totally like sef- several. Uh, yeah, the great thing about GraphQL, lists. it's very simple. I mean, I think five ten minutes we can we can brush over it. Oh yeah, that we always say that, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. why I have dozens of workshops on just on GraphQL, right? <laughs> yep. I can cover it in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, speaking of like remote workshops and remote work, I think the main takeaway is to, I, I think it's important to um, educate yourself what are the best time management uh, options for you, mm-hmm. right? And which ones you want to use, right? And um, another one is respect your personal time. This is what the main one, because I see lots of people that, just work like you just burn out really quickly if you if you don't respect your personal time. The thing is, like you you do need to, uh, to uh, show like your management what you're doing and so on. But um, hopefully you you're working at companies that you build this like level of trust that companies trust in you. So you need to trust the company to you know give you these like personal time, and the company need to trust you to be able to do your your tasks right mm-hmm. because uh, if you already like if you hired right then you probably the, the trust is there right so I don't see a, so you don't need to betray this trust you need to do your job but you need to keep your personal time to yourself and not upset your loved ones because you can easily do that as well and I remember when I started working remotely, I was working like 15, 16 hours uh, easily and my wife was upset because of that. And uh, yeah, it, it's like something uh, that I learned from like bad experiences, right? So um, yeah, I think these are the, the main takeaways. That, that's for the remote work. And as, as far as remote workshops speaking, I think um, I see some people, they, they say, okay, this is remote workshops, probably not that good as an offline one. And um, like some people treat remote worship as like, oh, okay, this is like something I can, uh, especially like I, I brand several like free workshops. So people are like, okay, I will sign up and then not show up or something, right? So remote workshops are usually better than offline ones. So that that's something to take in mind when you see, and probably our listeners will see a lot of remote workshops in uh next month, right? So when you see these remote workshops, treat them as like you have the opportunity to 
have like experience from something better than the offline workshop because you don't need to fly to like a different country. You don't need to like attend, uh, like spend your time all the commuting to the workshop, right? Just sit in the classroom. You n- never know what, like if internet will be good there, right? And you were you at the remote workshop from the comfort of your home. You will meet like a bunch of amazing people during the workshop, uh, learn new stuff. So that's uh, that's the main takeaway for, for remote workshops. They they are more more engaging than offline ones, and uh, hopefully more and more people will get into teaching remote workshops because all of us have <laughs> too much spare time if we manage our time correctly, right? Right. Quarantine and stuff. <laughs> and uh, using this time to learn something new or brush up on, on our skills, it's uh, it's crucial. Yep. So yeah, these are my takeaways from for these two topics. Great. Are you stuck at home climbing the walls when you should be hanging out with the community at the latest conference to get canceled? Are you wondering where to hear your JavaScript heroes like Amy Knight and Douglas Crockford and Chris Heilman? After the cancellations, I decided to put on a JavaScript conference for you online. I invited my favorite folks from around the web and got them to come speak at an online event just for you. Go to jsremoteconf.com and check out our speakers and schedule. The conference is on May 14th and 15th. Come join us at an online conference that we guarantee will keep you safe and keep you informed. jsremoteconf.com. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks then. Yeah, you've done these shows. Uh, All of you have, so... You kind of get the yep. gist on picks. Uh, TJ, why don't you start us off? Sure. I just got one. So my pick is actually Twitch, which came up earlier. And we've been playing around with Twitch a little bit more at work. So I've sort of been someone that's been skeptical of Twitch. Like, why would you ever watch someone playing video games? Uh, and then I actually sort of in the last, really ever since this whole quarantine situation went down, uh, after struggling to find shows that I care about at this point, I've spent some time on Twitch looking around. And uh, I think if you do that, you can find some oddly compelling streams, whether that's for video games or even for other random, random topics. Like I watched somebody cook the other day and I don't know why it was fascinating, but it was. So if you're someone that's been skeptical of Twitch, uh, maybe just hop in for either a video game you care about or something else. Uh, it can be a good way to spend the time that we've got. Nice. Paige, what are your picks? Um, I've got two today. So the first one is a Mac plugin. It's called Shifted, um, if anybody is familiar with it. Basically, it replicates what we could do if we had a Windows machine where you can kind of snap browser screens or really whatever screen you're focused on into a particular piece of your monitor. So if you want to snap it to the right for half screen, snap it to the left um, or do full screen, there's keyboard shortcuts for it. And it's probably one of the first things I install on any Mac that I get um, just because it's so incredibly useful for having multiple things going on at the same time. Other one is probably something that everybody who's not been living under a rock has heard of, which is Tiger King on Netflix. (laughs) I didn't want to like this series. I really didn't just because so many people were talking about it, but we ended up watching a couple episodes the other night and it's amazing how engrossing it becomes just from like the first 15 minutes of the series. So I'm binging through those right now and it's 
it's just like a train wreck that keeps getting worse every episode, but you can't look away. <laughs> so I would encourage it. It'll it'll definitely take you a couple of evenings to get through, and it's it's very entertaining. Yeah, I keep hearing about it, but I haven't watched it yet. So same. Yeah, that was me last week. <laughs> So I've I've got a couple of picks. Somebody mentioned, I think it was Paige mentioned that, you know, monitors working from home. And then Vladimir mentioned also that, you know, he travels a lot and it makes it kind of tricky to, uh, you know, to take another monitor with you. But I've found these Asus portable monitor setups. And essentially, you know, they just kind of fold up and you can put them in your bag. They fit nicely into my laptop bag next to my laptop. Anyway, I can take them with me wherever I go. They just hook up via USB. So what that means is that I have to have a dongle for my Mac. It drives me nuts. It still drives me nuts. It's like just put it put a USB plug on it, not a USB C plug on it. But anyway, so I've I've really uh, been happy toting that around for a while and using something like that because then I can do two screens and I didn't really have to carry that much more setup. I have actually put a you know, a 15 inch monitor with the stand in my, in my luggage before when I've traveled and it's just a pain to deal with, but this is real easy because it just folds up flat and goes in your bag. So, um, I'm going to pick that. And then, um, yeah, I just, uh, finished up a book series on audible. Um, it's the Chronicles of Narnia. And the thing, there were two things I liked about it. One was that they had these famous, uh, actors like the last battle is read by Patrick Stewart. He actually does like little voices for the mice and stuff. Anyway, um, <laughs> so it was awesome. Um, but you get the whole... This is the other thing I liked. You get the whole series, the whole uh, Chronicles of Narnia for one credit on Audible. And it's the uh, Chronicles of Narnia adult box set edition. And yeah, they the first one was somebody else that I had heard of before too, and I can't remember. But I've really, really enjoyed those. So uh, I'm going to pick that book as well. Vladimir, do you have some picks for us? I actually have a lot. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like speaking of uh, Twitch, for instance, so I just like want to mention that I'm streaming on Twitch on a weekly, bi-weekly basis. So um, I'll share uh, my Twitch account as well. Apart from that, so I mentioned the um, company I'm um, co-founding. Um, it's called eventloop.ai. Uh, and um, we are like really early stage right now, but we have really ambitious plans for like virtual events and uh, doing some awesome stuff. So if you're interested, there is um, uh, you can subscribe for updates. Um, there is a really cool tool which can be really beneficial for lots of people working remotely right now, and it's called Crisp AI. This is actually a virtual. It uh, you download the the tool and it creates a virtual microphone which filters out the background noise. So if you're in a like, noisy environment, it just filters out all the background noise. So the, uh, the person will hear you like, without any background noise. Now it adapts. I think it learns. That's the part of AI thing, right? It learns, it learns your voice. So it adapts. So it's, it just becomes better and better. And uh, it's pretty amazing, for instance, like high-pitched noises or if you like talk to a microphone, you enable crisp AI and you just clap your hands, you won't hear clapping your hands in the recording because uh, it filters out this noise. So it's, it's pretty cool. Another pick is um, something I use for shortcuts. Uh, it's called Keyboard Maestro. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing how uh, great... Uh, 
like how complex shortcuts uh, can be created. Like you can do like literally anything. You can write scripts as a shortcut. It can be icons, can be keyboard shortcuts, it can be anything. And um, that actually brings me to another pick, which is called, this is good for streaming. If you stream live coding and I'm just pasting in chat on the names, I will send the links later on. Um, now the stream deck is like a physical uh, product. It's like a physical deck with uh, with buttons that you can attach to anything like opening apps or running shortcuts and so on. And it's really nice when you stream something, you need to switch different scenes. You, you want to like have like a presenter view, then switch to like screen share, mute your sound, uh, stuff like that. So you can use it by just hitting the physical buttons, which is really convenient for, for, for streams and, and for teaching in general. And the last one is something, uh, I, I know it's like not a new one, but um, it's something I haven't used and started using like an amazing capability is called Notion. You're probably all familiar with Notion. For uh, not just like note taking, but you can extend it. Like when you extend it with like link databases and um, having like to do lists and Trello and everything in one place. And uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So I'm just started to uh, I just started to use it for everything, both like company wise and the personal personal things. And I feel way more productive using this. So yeah, a lot of picks. <laughs> awesome. If people want to connect with you online, uh, where do they find you? Yeah, so um, I have my website, which is uh, supposed to get through some rebranding in upcoming weeks. But basically, it has all the social links. I'm mostly active on Twitter. So if I post a new blog post and so on, you can just follow me on Twitter and you will see the notifications. So it's uh, I'm not creative at Twitter name, so it's just Vladimir Novik. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, and uh, feel free. My DMs are open, so if if you like have questions and you know you want to like consult on something, um, just send me a DM and let's talk about stuff. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, thank you to our panel and thanks for coming, Vladimir. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. It was uh, really cool. All right. There well, are some really good tips in there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up. And bandwidth for this time, everybody. Is provided by out. Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C A C H E F L Y dot com to learn more. <laughs>